Pareto Health is the manager of the largest employee benefits group captive in the United States. And it's also now the main sponsor of the Self-Funded with Spencer podcast. I chose to partner with Pareto Health for three main reasons. Number one, their dedication to improving the world of health benefits. Number two, their mission to reduce volatility and to make self-funding simple for mid-sized employers. And number three, the strength and scale of their program. With over 2,300 member groups and more than $1 billion of stop-loss premium under management, Pareto Health is the most robust solution of its kind in the country, period. Stay tuned for more information because I'm sure I'll be featuring them on an episode of the podcast very soon. Visit Pareto Health at ParetoHealth.com or follow them on LinkedIn to stay up to date on the latest news and developments. We'll, we'll kick off the podcast. Sure. We got the green light, Nathaniel. Okay, cool. So I'm sitting here with Guy Benjamin, who is the co-CEO and co-founder of Healthy. How are you doing, Guy? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you, man. And thank you so much to, for traveling in from New York. I know you had some other engagements that brought you down here as well, but yeah. I'm never not grateful for people willing to come and travel to be on the show. So thank you again, sir. Yeah. And te Texas is one of my favorite places to visit. So yeah. I'm, it's, it's, I'm yeah. not <laughs> having you come into you know, an area where it's frigid yeah. temperatures or it's not 120 degrees yet. No, so if yeah. you're here in July, you <laughs> might be singing a different tune, but healthy real quick. Healthy is yeah. H-E-A-L-T-H-E-E. -E, exactly. Which is Basically, when you think about it, it's health, and EE means employees, so healthy employees. I said I didn't know that. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I'm gonna have to talk to <laughs> Nina about. It. She didn't tell me that later, but exactly. uh, yeah. we've had a, we had a fortunate opportunity, or I did, I should say, to get connected with uh, your company about a year ago. I know yeah. we have some mutual connections as well, and Omar ultimately is the one that coordinated this. So shout out to him. So real quick, before we dive into your product, mm -hmm. could you at least categorize what it is, what the subject of today's show is, yeah. and then we'll go back and hear a little bit of your personal story as well. So we developed an AI-based platform that is basically a one-stop shop for all of your health and wellness needs. So Think about today, employees or users, they need to pick a plan, they're an open enrollment, they need to know what they're covered for, find providers, book appointment, know the deductibles, know how much things are gonna cost. So we could have like packed everything in one platform that is an AI-based platform. And on top of all of that, we kind of built this, the first ever personal health assistant called okay. Zoe. Zoe, yeah. Um, and she can answer any question about your health benefits. So forget about the days where you call the call center to figure out what you're covered for or when to, five different platforms to figure out a doctor or book an appointment. You go to Zoe and Zoe has answers to all of your questions. For example, you can go to Zoe and say, hey, my daughter needs a speech therapist. She'll tell you if you're covered for it. Where can you get it done? How much will each location cost you based on your deductibles? Okay. She'll book an appointment and she'll even help you kind of understand if you got billed correctly. Well, so Zoe is almost like Alexa, if you will, but for yes, healthcare, right? Exactly. Or Siri, depending on who, which one you, you like to use. But I, I saw it about a year ago, and I do want to talk about the evolution of the product because yeah. I know what I described back to you having seen it then versus yeah. what is now is night and day difference. It's almost a different solution and a better solution, obviously. Right. But to give people some context of the solution itself, I want to hear more of your backstory, how it came yeah. to be, what drew you to, to develop this company, et cetera. So why don't you give us a little bit of your biography, if you don't mind? Sure, yeah. So I'm originally from Israel. I grew up there. I'm the youngest of four brothers, um, younger by a lot. So I have a, okay. I have a, a brother who's uh, 17 years older than me. Okay. And then twin brothers who are 13 years older than me. And then my parents really wanted a girl and they I, didn't get, their they didn't get, nah, didn't get it. I got, yeah. I got in, I got out. Um, and so I grew up in Israel, uh, joined the air force when I was about 18. Uh, I, f I was a fighter pilot. Flew F-16s for about 13 years wow. uh, okay. in the Israeli Air Force. 
Last role was a squadron deputy commander. Um, finished that in 2012 and then came here to the U.S. So 11 years ago, uh, went to Yale for my MBA. And while I was, while I was at Yale, I wasn't really sure what, I was, what to do after. I was thinking about going back to the military. Uh, somebody said, you should check out consulting. I asked, what's consulting? Uh, I Googled consulting. <laughs> McKinsey was the first thing that showed up on Google, and I applied, and I, I ended up well, I'm sure, well, yeah, with your, 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 obviously, your service history and then going yeah. to Yale, getting an MBA from there, you were tailor-made to be <laughs> a consultant. What was your experience like as a consultant? Did you enjoy the work? I loved it. It was amazing. I love the fact that you can switch project every few months. I love the fact that you get, like, a problem and you just go try to solve it as, as hard as you can with any resources that you need. I love the people that I work with. Some of them are still my best friends. Um, it was a huge, uh, it was a great experience, but it was also something that really helped me kind of prep for, I always knew that I wanted to start my own company. And I knew, I, I had like four rules that I wanted to, when I do start this company, okay. right? I wanted it to be something that does good for society. I wanted it to be something that I, I am passionate about. Uh, I wanted it to be like kind of like an infinite market. Okay. Um, and then last thing is what's is something that I, I kind of like, thought about after, but I wanted to work with people I really like. Okay. And uh, not just go do it by myself. Well, I would say that's probably one of the most important of those four is actually yeah. working with people that you enjoy exactly. working with as well. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, while I was working at McKinsey, I always had that mind on like, okay, I need to find something where I'm passionate about, that's good, infinite market with people I like. Gotcha. So I, I know you're on your way, obviously, to already accomplishing that, and I want to hear more about healthy. Can I can I ask you real quick, and I won't make you detail too much of your service because I realize that can be a gray area sometimes, but what led you, I know military service is compulsory in Israel, yeah. but what led you to ultimately wanting to be a fighter pilot and fly jets? Like, is that, did you know yeah. that what you wanted to do going in? So I didn't know that going in, but it was always, always something on my mind. I have a kind of a unique story where I actually didn't start in in the Air Force, I started with in the infantry. I started in this like small commander unit in the infantry. Did that for about three and a half years, and we did it in a place where it was right next to an Air Force base. Okay. So I kept seeing these uh, you know, Apache helicopters and F-16s just flying all over, and really got me thinking that I want to be there. Yeah. So I applied kind of late um, to the Air Force Academy, and it's interesting because every year about twenty thousand people apply. Um, 400 will start the academy and then 40 will graduate. Whoa, okay. So it was really against the odds. Because it's such a difficult program to... It's a difficult, achieve. but they're yeah. also looking for specific skills and traits, right? Okay. Like it doesn't mean that if you're not going through the entire academy that you're not as good as the one who did. It's just like they're looking for specific traits okay. and skills. And I happen to have that. So I graduated in 2005. Um and stayed for another nine years, or sorry, like seven years after that. But what interesting was that I graduated in 05, and then in 06, there was a war in Israel. So as a very young pilot, I got a chance to kind of participate in that, which was a very, very honestly, like a life-changing event. I, I can only, I only doubt yeah. I have friends that are in the service in the States, and yeah, yeah I mean, it's you can't compare uh, you can't, no. battle and, and, yeah. and warfare to anything else in, in, right. in life. And so you kind of know how to navigate a conversation about yeah. that, knowing that I could never empathize or relate, unfortunately, to that experience. But you spent a considerable amount of time, though, in it, but did, was there a moment yeah. in time where you felt compelled to, to do something different, go in private sector, obviously go study? Yeah. yeah what was that like to transition out? So it was interesting because um, when I decided to go to school, I still in my mind had this, this sense that I'm going back to the military. But then I, I showed up on, on Yale campus and it was literally kind of thinking, feeling like the entire world is opening up to me. 
because okay. as a as a pilot, your world is 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 fun. It's amazing. It's like it's it's intense, but it's very narrow. Okay, you're really focused on just being the best pilot that you can be. You're focused on being a really good leader, and you're focusing on protecting your mm. your country. And when I came to Yale to the campus and started meeting people from all over the world, I was like, okay, I did that for twelve years. Maybe it's time to kind of go do something else. Okay. Um, and that that what got me thinking about it. Uh, there's also I, I also realized when I was at Yale and I just started, you know, from being a squadron deputy commander, it's a role where you know everything that's going on in the squadron. Nothing happens without you knowing about okay. it. Okay. Okay. And I felt I thought that when I go when I go to school, I thought the squadron was going to collapse because I'm not there. <laughs> and the phone didn't ring. Like uh, I moved and yeah. nobody needed me. And it just got me thinking that also everybody's replaceable. Well, I, 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 I'm no joke. I literally had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, and my, my uh, version of that story was leaving the soccer program at my alma mater, Drury University, in college. And even if you are a good player in a team, I was a captain of that team, you, you feel like you're an integral part of the right. team during that tenure. I had a realization about two to three years after, as we were going back for the alumni game, but the program goes on without you. Nobody even bats an eye. Nobody exactly. thinks about you anymore. And so I think it's fun to know that there's all, you have a moment in time where you participate in something, yeah. but the systems that exist or the programs that you participate in will ultimately move on from you. And you got a chance to be a part of it, but you also have to accept that it will no longer need you at some point yeah. as well. And again, my, my time in the Air Force, again, I was there for over 10 years. It was amazing. My, you know, in the Air Force, you, you don't have friends, you have brothers. And I still think of them today, to, to this day, right? It was 10 years since I, it's been 10 years since I left. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it was something that probably shaped me the most, right? When, Because like, also my entrepreneurial skill set, my, the way I, I try to accomplish things, the way I, I deal with problems, it's all from the Air Force. Because in the Air Force, what's interesting is for every mission that you have, a mission could be an hour where you just go and cross the border, come back and do something there. You probably train for days if not weeks for that specific for that moment yeah. right and you get ready and you kind of learn and you say okay if, if that scenario happens that's what i'm going to do if mm -hmm. that scenario happens that's what i'm going to do and if something completely different happens then i'm just going to get a mix of those scenarios that i prepared for and do something and it prepares you to for real life honestly. yeah absolutely that i mean the the podcast i was on was called the dad bod dad bod podcast uh, <laughs> shout out to david vasileros it's about youth sports and he's real big on making sure parents and coaches are uh, they understand what the role, the role that youth sports play in a kid's life and that yeah. the majority, the overwhelming majority won't go on to be pro. Right. But what tools, what traits, what characteristics, what life lessons can be drawn from that experience to be taken on to your real life? And that's exactly what you were just describing as yeah. well. But was there a moment, you know, as you go, you went to Yale, then you started working at McKinsey, right? Yeah. Um, how many years did you work there? Seven. Seven. Okay. Was there a moment of an interaction with the healthcare system that ultimately led to healthy? Because usually there's yeah. a story there. So what's your yeah. story? Yeah. So when I was at McKinsey, uh, there was very, very early on, I kind of realized that I have no clue about my health benefits. And every time I have a question, I would be sent to HR and HR would send me to a call center. And that call center either gave me good service, maybe sometimes not, sometimes answer my questions, sometimes not. And it just got me thinking that there has to be a better way. It, and I also realized that I'm spending more money than I should be. I realized that I'm, there's benefits I just don't know about. For mm -hmm. example, I, I wear glasses. I didn't even know I was covered for glasses for the first three years. Okay. Um, I have twins. So first three years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just paid for glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I have twins. 
twin girls. Um, and when we had we had them, there was an at we were it was an at risk pregnancy. Okay. We had to do a lot with health insurance, and it just got me thinking that this is this is silly. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was a child, I would go with my dad to the bank to to see how much money that he has in the account, right? Like he would go check. Mm -hmm. Today, nobody does that, right? You do it on your phone. Um, we still call call centers to figure out what we're covered for. Right. This is like the most ex the most important thing we have, our health. And that moment was like when I thought, okay, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way to kind of inject technology into this space. And by the way, at first, I thought it was a pro it was a me problem because I was an immigrant, I was new. Mm -hmm. But then I started asking friends. They're all in the same exact same situation where they have okay. no clue. So that was kind of like when I thought. Well, that's what, uh, your story echoes a number of uh, founder stories that I've had on the podcast that do different things than what you do, but. There was always this interfacing or interaction with the healthcare system, yeah. this recognition that this thing is very complex and inefficient and broken and there's too many moving parts and I don't understand it. But there was an epiphany for them that, oh, I'm going to go fix it. So did was there an interaction that happened that you go, now I'm actually going to dedicate my life to this? And yeah. So, yeah. It's a good question. I think it was a, a process because okay. when one of my co-founders He's a really good friend of mine and, and a doctor. He came to visit me from Israel to New York and we started talking about it. And we thought, okay, we, we can't just not do anything about it. It's just not our, it's not our, our, it's not our nature. We have to go try and do something about it. So we started talking to investors. We started talking to other people in the industry and we realized there's something there. First of all, every investor we spoke with was like, okay, yeah, I, I have the exact same issue. Nobody ever told us no, I, I know exactly what I'm covered for. Mm -hmm. I don't need help mm -hmm. understanding my healthcare. And it just got us thinking, okay, there's something here and we want to go pursue it. And I think when we started meeting with like really do meetings with investors and we have amazing investors, you know, shout out to Dovi Francis from Group 11, um, who's our lead investor, they believed in us. And when we saw that support, we were like, okay, we're going to go do this. And to go do this, you need to be fully committed. It's yeah. not something you can sit on the sidelines. Yeah, you actually you have to go all in. I was going to ask you, though, I know it's probably a subject of a, a full podcast in of itself, but could you juxtapose the healthcare system in, in Israel versus the United States and maybe what you might liked about your yeah. that existing system versus here and, and vice versa? Yeah, I'm not sure there's something vice versa. Okay. But uh, in Israel, it's, it's, a, it's a social... Okay. healthcare system. You don't have to worry about how much a, a doctor is going to cost. You just go. There's no in or out of network or very, very, you know, there's like two networks maybe or three and that's it. Okay. You don't have to worry about if you're covered for something. You literally just go to a doctor. And when, I, when, I'm, when I'm in Israel, I tell people that you will never understand the sense or the feeling where you get a referral for an MRI and you're not sure if you're going to do it because it may make you go bankrupt. Right. 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 Or you have to go to the ER and you're afraid because you're going to get a five thousand dollar bill. That doesn't exist in Israel. So it's something that, and by the way, it's something that within the company we are half of us are are in Israel, and it's something we struggle with all the time. Where how to make sure that our developers and our our indie team, who's they're amazing and they work super hard, but they're never going to they're never going to be users of the right. platform. Right. So how do we convey to them what is the actual the magnitude of the yeah, problem, exactly. the specifics of the yeah. problem. Yeah, that's that's. There was a, a gentleman that came on a while ago. He worked for a company called Handle Health, and he uh, grew up, I think, in New Zealand. I forgot exactly where he, he was born, but he grew up in New Zealand, went to England, then came to the states, and he had uh, one of those like what kind of moments with <laughs> yeah. the U.S. healthcare system. A couple other folks I know that were born in the states had a very similar uh, moment in time 
it, it does create that almost like you're dumbfounded the way that things work. It's why I've committed my life, yeah. honestly, to having these conversations. And, and you're an expert. Don't you still have it sometimes? Where you oh, get a bill? I could, I'll tell people yeah. immediately. I'm not an yeah. expert in navigating my own yeah. benefits within our own healthcare system. I talk about a lot of the stuff of the solutions that stack on top of it. But when it comes to me and my family, I'm still at the mercy of, of not knowing or yeah. naivety that most people have as well. Yeah, and was, if, if uh, I'm that way, then imagine somebody that exactly. doesn't have anything to do with this system exactly. is working. I was at a conference last week in Miami, and I went with, with HR leaders. And we did a survey, how many of them feel comfortable with their health care? Very, very few. Mm -hmm. And then I, asked, I told them, well, think about, that's you, but think about your employees. They're not experts in health care. They have no clue. So think about, if you're not feeling comfortable with your health benefits, how are they feeling? Exactly. And that's exactly what we're trying to solve, because... The fact that you provide healthcare to your employees, because I talk a lot with CFOs, they say, oh, we, we give the best plan or the best benefit. The fact that you provide healthcare to your employees doesn't mean that you provide access to healthcare, ah, right? Yep, yep. And that's where we kind of come in. Well, so tell me about the early stages. When you uh, pitched these investors, you said yeah. you kind of had a pitch deck at that time. It was really right. conceptual in nature, I presume, mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. Talk to me about the early stages of healthy. What, what was it like in the early days? What were you actually doing sort of core mission at that time? ClaimDoc is a medical claim auditing and member advocacy company. We provide fiduciary services to employer-sponsored benefit plans, allowing them to create an environment where we ensure that the benefit plans are being charged in a fair and reasonable basis. My business is basically people, and it become a real simple transition. We thought it was gonna be far more complex. I've saved, we'll say, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could not say enough about ClaimDoc. So back then, this was honestly exactly two years ago. We just celebrated our two years anniversary on May 1st. Congrats. Uh, thank you. It was myself and my co-founders. There were four, four of us. Um, and it was mainly just kind of like laying out the vision of what we're trying to solve. Because like, there's so many problems. And as a startup, you got to be very focused. Mm -hmm. right? You can't just go and say, we're going to solve everything. So our first thing that we wanted to solve was we wanted to have a tool that just tells people what they're covered for in Lehman terms where you can kind of come in and say, I have this, what are my options? Mm -hmm. I have back pains, what am I covered for? My daughter needs a speech therapist, am I covered for it? That's always like the main thing. And we realized that AI was, was advanced enough to kind of provide that. And okay. we had to think about, okay, but well, where are the answers? Because it's not enough to have an AI. And what, the approach that we took is we said, okay, all the answers, there is a document that all the answers are there. It's called your evidence of coverage, right? It's your health plan. Sometimes it's 600 page long. Hmm. Sometimes the answer will be across multiple pages. It could be in page 30, 70, and 150. And it's complicated. So we said, okay, do we need to build something that knows how to take all that data from those documents and convert it to something that's accessible. Right. But then the more, the deeper we looked into it, we said, okay, it's not only those documents. There's other data sources that we need to access to get that data as well. Okay. And what are as, some examples of those other data sources? Then? So there's the carrier website, there's the providers themselves. There's many things that you need. There's, there's um, pricing data that you need mm -hmm. to access, claims data. There's a lot of data sources that you need to bring in together to really be able to answer those questions. And that's what we started building. Health fees for the first year, we were really focused on just building a product that is, again, has just even just one use case, which is answering a question about your healthcare benefits. That one use case is powerful yeah. in and of itself, right? right? I mean, it's I can think about like what you were just describing, but let's say I do knee, my knee hurts, right? Let's yeah. just take something very simple, my knee hurts. 
I don't know where to go if I've, I don't interact with the healthcare system much. Like, yeah. do I go to my primary care physician first? Do I go to a knee doctor? Do I need surgery? Do I need to just take some Advil and rest? Yeah. Like all those questions I'm sure are going through most people's minds. And so yeah. to be able to just put into a, a search tool, uh, and then have intelligent responses, not right. Google my knee hurts and get a million exactly. responses with no really articulation. Zoe, if you will, is, is kind of layering on kind of some thought, right, to, to that question. So how does that work? Thought and personalization. And personalization. Because okay. you, have made, you probably have a different health plan than I have, and my coverage is different than yours. And it's not only can I do this, it's, it's also how much it's going to cost me. When can I go get it done? Where can I go get it done, right? Because you're in a different network than I, mm -hmm. than I am. So when I ask a question, when I ask her a question, it will be a, she will give me a different answer than she'll give you because different demographics, different plans, right, right. different locations. And that's the beauty of Zoe, that she's personalized. It's not a Google where, hey, tell me, everybody that has a knee pain, what do they usually do? I have a knee pain. What are my options? What are, what are going to be the costs? Where can I go? What am I covered for? Mm -hmm. Are there any benefits that my employer provides me that I should check out first? Maybe I should talk to a doctor on the phone first because that's the lowest cost option. So it's really around putting the user in the center. And I think that's something that no other platform has done yet, where we put the user in the center, we try to help them get the best answer they can, but also get the best treatment okay. at, the, at the lowest cost. So tell me a little bit about what, what you can say, kind of the, the back room of this, yeah. right? Because um, artificial intelligence sometimes gets thrown around and it's a little bit of a vague word. People hear right. a chat GPT today and they think yeah. artificial intelligence, but what does it look like behind the scenes and what you can share of how you're sourcing that information and then personalizing mm -hmm. it for an individual? So the first thing we do is we take your health plans. Okay. So we'll take your medical, dental, vision, and we'll do that conversion from an unstructured data source, So which is just a nicer way to say a PDF to a structured and mapped database where everything is mapped. So for example, if you have diabetes, uh, if somebody has diabetes on their health plan, they'll have five different places in the health plan where it says what they're covered for diabetes. It could be uh, insulin pumps, it could be medication, it could be specialists, right? And it's all across the plan. We know how to take all of that and put it in one place where diabetes, this is what you specifically are covered for. I see. Um, so that's the first part. The second part is connecting to all these data sources, claims data, uh, providers, provider availability, um, provider location, in and out of network. So all of this and then bringing to you and saying, well, this is what you're covered for. This is, these are your deductibles, for example. This is where you are. You already, you already met your deductibles. This is where you can go. This is how much it's going to cost you specifically. Okay. And this is where you can go. So it does actually calculate the out-of-pocket for the yes. member as well. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. It will tell you if you go do this MRI in this specific location, your out-of-pocket will be $21. If you go to the other location that is a mile away, it will be $50. And there's another one for $100. Uh, so it really be, makes you a much smarter consumer. Because today we're not smart consumers. No, no. Right? Well, I, th I would say not only we're we not smart, but we're kept intentionally in the dark, I think, by design right. of the system itself. 100%. Um, which is where I like technology like this, right? I don't really, on, on when people that come and talk on my show, I don't really make judgments about, oh, that one's better than this one, or this one is, is yeah. I would refer this one to that one. But I do like when people have a mission mm -hmm. to sort of unpack and unravel the healthcare system and make yeah. it better and more useful for the individual, right? When exactly. I think that's a mission I can get aligned with with yeah. anybody that sits on the couch. But so let's talk more about the mechanics of that. Mm -hmm. I, I, let's say my employer offers this. How yeah. does an employer go about delivering this initially to its membership? Yeah. So first of all, we're a B2B. So meaning your, your employer has to buy our platform uh, to be able to provide, to, so for you to use it. Okay. okay. So let's start there. Um, and then once, once, if you're an employer and you want to start using our platform, there's a very, very minimal lift from you as an employer. All we need are your health plans, which is those PDFs, and 
your census. Okay. And if you have any additional benefits that you provide to your employees that are related to health and wellness, we'll take your, your employee brochure or whatever you have. We just we don't need you to do anything and send us PDFs. Okay. And once you once you once we get that from you, we'll convert all that data to the structured data source. We will map it, we'll ingest it, we'll put it in the platform. We'll build a platform that is tailored to you as an employer. Okay. Based on what you're offering your employees. And then and that's it. And then we'll do like a basically we'll sit down with you and say, okay, what is the best engagement strategy? How do we best engage with your employees? Yeah. Are your employees more tech savvy where it's better to send them notification? Is it better to text them? Is it better to send them postcards to their house because their spouse is the one dealing with mm -hmm. their healthcare? So we are very, very focused on engagement. We have an, an amazing customer experience team that that's what they do. Our number one KPI, our number one metric in the company is, is user engagement, is, is monthly active users. Monthly active users, okay. Yeah, because we know that if we get users or employees to use the platform, that's the only way we can influence their health. It's the only way we can reduce their health cost. Yeah. So we're constantly working on ways if it's by reminding employees about preventive care, right? So we have this new feature that we just uh, released or are releasing now that's called Wellness Tracker. Okay. It basically builds your wellness plan for the, for the year, your uh, wellness visit in the doctor, your skin screening, your dental cleaning, everything that has to do with preventive care. And it's oh, it actually maps out the year and helps exactly. you sort of plan when to go to exactly. these different. Okay, where to go, when to go, where to go, how much it's going to cost. Usually, those those are uh, there's no charge because they're they're preventive care. But we'll build that plan for you. That's so cool. you can track it throughout the year and see where you are in your wellness. Track. Is there like a calendar embedded then, or does it sync yeah. with your maybe your Google it calendar? Sync, okay, it, yeah, we'll sync with your calendar so you can book appointment based on when you're available and when the provider is available. And then that's kind of like how we wanted. Does healthy actually assist with the the appointment setting yes. itself? Okay, yeah. so how do you how do you connect the consumer and the provider in that, that so situation? So there's diff different ways. We're we're connected to companies that do uh, appointment booking, like Zocdoc. Okay. So if if a, if a provider is on Zocdoc, we can, you can book an appointment straight from there. But we also have a way for if if let's say you have a, your your provider for some reason is not tech savvy and they just work on the phone, right? You can literally put in when you're available and we'll make the appointment for you. We'll call your benefit experts. We have a team of amazing benefit experts, so shout out to them. Uh, they will do that for you. They'll book the appointment for you. So you okay. can say, okay, I want to get my skin screening in July, right before the summer, um, in this location at this time. And we'll go and book it for you. That's awesome. Well, so uh, you know, I, I want to go back to what I was saying uh, when Nina and I saw the platform maybe about a year, maybe even a year and a half ago. I thought yeah. I saw it in its pretty early stages. But it's obviously evolved. So mm -hmm. what are some of the things that are now plugged in? Because you, you talked about creating this almost this healthcare ecosystem that a yep. member can interact with, find what they need, shop, all these things. So what are some of the things that have been added to the framework yep. uh, to create that ecosystem? So when we started again, it was just mostly questions and answer. I have a coverage question, I want to give you an answer. But that's a very, very kind of narrow part of what we're providing now. Like what you saw is probably five to 10% in our capabilities today okay. because we realized that we want to become a one-stop shop. Now, why, why do we want to become a one-stop shop? Because we did a lot of user research. And one of the main point, pain points that we got is that employees today, they have three phone numbers for their healthcare, right? Medical, dental, vision to mm -hmm. go ask questions. They have different platforms for choosing a plan, for knowing, for booking appointments, finding providers, and they just get lost. Mm -hmm. And there's so many options that they just don't do any of them. So we said we want to become this one place, this one-stop shop where employees meet us at open enrollment. Mm -hmm. We help them pick a plan that is best for them and their family. And then we help them throughout the year with any questions they have. And we help them with booking appointments. And we help them with uh, 
wellness trackers and, and doing preventive care. And we now are about to help them with billing as well to make sure that they're bill, they get billed correctly. Ah, so our okay. offering today starts the, the second the employee either joins the company or they're in open enrollment because we have an open enrollment. It doesn't have to be a tool. It's more of a comparison tool. So you don't have to make the selection on that, on that tool, but you will make the comparison. So you actually are providing some guidance for the choosing. Yeah. So how do you evaluate? Does it take into account like their family situation, maybe mm -hmm. income level, the options are available? So what else involved in that? Yes. Yeah, so we look at two main factors. One is financials and the other one is cov coverage. So first of all, we'll show you for each plan, what is your cost? What is your premium? You're out of pocket. You're basically from your paycheck, right? Every month for every two weeks. We'll show you deductibles and out of pocket for each plan. Then we'll show you which of the doctors that you usually go see, you and your family, your dentist, your specialist, your primary care physician are covered under each one of those plans. Because, for example, I see a cardiologist once a year. I want to make sure that she's covered under the plan that I pick, right? Right, right. Um, and then, which is a really cool part of the platform, we'll show you, we'll build these financial scenarios for you where we say under each plan, if you're healthy next year, this is how much you will spend on, on healthcare mm -hmm. next year. If, God forbid, you have a catastrophic event, this is the maximum you'll spend on healthcare under each one of those plans. And you can even build projections. You can say, well, I'm thinking about having another baby next year, or I'm thinking about having surgery. So Zoe will build those projections for you and tell you, well, under this plan, you can expect to pay this much. Mm. So at any given point, you become a much smarter consumer because you know the coverage and you know the financials. And at any given point, an employee can click on a, this button where a live expert will show up. Again, one of our team. Yeah. And they can, if there's more questions that they have, we can answer them. So that open enrollment experience becomes much less overwhelming. 50% of employees will pick the wrong plan. I don't doubt it. Yeah. yeah. Especially because yeah. you don't really know how to make heads or tails of the deductible, the exactly. networks, you're out of pocket. You know, how does that, you know, you know, how does those things interact with how much premium I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm going to pay and what's the best choice? What is an HSA? What is a PPO? What is right. it? Right. So all of that are answered within our platform. And the feedback we're getting is amazing, right? Well, I don't doubt it. I mean, you, you, there's a couple insights that you told me over coffee that I thought were pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, one, it, you know, it starts to sort of learn uh, kind of the member over time, right. but that you're able to actually aggregate sort of some of the yeah. things that are most often searched for, or maybe common problems amongst an employee population and share sort of de-identified data back with the employer. So I, tell me how that works and how those employers might use that data yeah. to make decisions in the future. So today employers, usually employers over 100 or 200 employees, We'll get a report every end of the year with claims data, right? This is what your employees use for, used, what type of benefits they used or health benefits. And what's interesting is that we all make this, we, we as leaders will make decisions based on that. We say, oh, there's, there's a lot of questions about mental health. Maybe we need to bring something else or there's a lot of questions on acupuncture. But you're missing a big part in that report, which is what are your employees asking that you're not covering? Right. Because there's never going to be a claim data or claim information about something that you're not covering, right? Because your employees either won't do it or they'll do it privately. And what we are able to do, we, we track every click of a mouse, every question that's being asked for Zoe, every hover of a, like basically everything that's being used in the platform. Obviously it's all anonymous, it's all uh, aggregated, but we can show you as an employer or as a leader, hey, here are the benefits your employees are really asking about. And it could be things that you're not covering. Right. Or it could be things that you are covering, but they just don't know about. So maybe we should do a campaign. Maybe Zoe should do a campaign around mental health because your employees are asking questions about it. Uh, we just had a, um, um, a customer where we showed them the top five benefits that employees were asking about. And the number one benefit was about something that they were not even covering. Mm. So think about that aha moment for that employer where they realized that for years they've been covering, they, they thought they had this amazing benefit package, right.
but eventually the number one benefit. Well, you're almost company. doing a survey, but you're unbiasing the survey because I'm not a member that, uh, you know, or an employee that's going, oh, I'm going to answer the survey or oh, I'm not so sure if I want to tell my employer this exactly. by but not only collecting that, that anonymously, like it's unbiased, right? Exactly. But not only that, because I was at a, again, a conference and um, the HR, one of the HR leaders there mentioned that one of the things that she hates the most is that when she, they do a survey and an employee will say, why aren't you covering X? But they are covering X. They just don't, the other employee know doesn't that. know yeah, it. Yeah. And she can go back to that employee and say, hey, we are covering it because the, the survey is anonymous. Ah. So for us, when somebody asks for a benefit that doesn't is not covered, if now it is covered, we can go back to that employee and say, hey, you asked about this six months ago. Now you Did have you a, know. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. you have a benefit yeah. for that, right? So it's it's a really different way to engage. Well, that and, and uh, the other part that kind of goes back to the anonymity that I was alluding to earlier there are certain things that you were telling me that people might not want to share with HR. They right. might be afraid it's a violation of their privacy or they don't don't want to tell their HR person they might be planning on having a baby. Right. But you're able through this system to get that, collect that again anonymously. Yeah. Um, and people are more open to share because they don't feel exactly. like somebody's going to judge them for sharing that information. This podcast is sponsored by PlanSight. PlanSight is a technology for employee benefits brokers to more efficiently manage their RFP process for any group size, all funding types, and over 20 benefit lines and point solutions. PlanSight is the only end-to-end -end RFP technology on the market today. Let's modernize your RFP process together. Check us out at PlanSight.com. First of all, every HR I speak with, they don't even want to know, right? Because it's, mm. not HIPAA, it's not HIPAA compliant. You shouldn't know if an employee is planning on having a baby or if an employee has, has depression or anxiety, right? You shouldn't know as, H, as HR. That's a violation of HIPAA. Um, but employees, if they don't have anyone else to ask, they'll come they'll to come you as to HR, you. Yeah. right? Yeah. But sometimes they just don't feel comfortable. Like, who wants to go to HR and say, I have anxiety? Yeah. And the fact that they have a Zoe, they have something that's private and personal, gives them a chance or, or, or some kind of a channel to go and ask those private questions where you don't want to ask someone else. Well, and I want to I want to ask you about you know artificial intelligence. Let's actually kind of define how it's being utilized here. And I mm -hmm. want to ask you about how Chat GPT might be changing yeah. kind of the future of your company. But when people say artificial intelligence and they use artificial intelligence, can you tell me like what that actually means to you and means to health? Yeah. So for us, it means a way to know everything about your health benefits and your health coverage, right? So it's a way where we can take, because what, what is, why, why can't we just use human intelligence? Well, because these are hundreds of pages long, thousands of plans. If we, if we just use a person, it will never end. Like you can't have a person that knows all your benefits. It will take them hours. And most of our competitors, that's what they do. They'll use human intelligence. So you'll ask them a question and then they'll get back to you mm -hmm. in a day or two, which could be great for some people, but Gen Zers, millennials, they want an answer now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what AI can give us. AI can find exactly that information that you need instantly. And that's what we do. You ask a question, you ask Zoe a question, she's not gonna say, I'll get back to you in the next few hours. She's gonna give you the answer right away. And sometimes that's what you need. Um, and that's where the AI component. Well, and then in. if you need the human intelligence to be layered on top of it, you've you yeah. effectively supercharged that. I've I've heard people talk about how like direct primary care providers, uh, mm -hmm. doctors, can use ChatGPT to sort of search for symptoms. And I actually right. saw recently somebody made a post on Twitter where they actually reviewed doctors analyzing like a hundred conditions and then chat GPT analyzing yeah. the same conditions and actually chat GPT did slightly better yeah. at diagnosing. So it's not to say, Hey, this replaces the human. What if we put that in the hands of the human and it made enhances, it a lot easier? It enhances, it enhances the human. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we are actually now, and 
we are fortunate that we have an amazing R&D team and an amazing VP R&D, and they looked at what can ChatGPT, how can it help Zoe, and how can it enhance Zoe? And it's it's amazing to see in a very short time we're already able to do it, and we were able to make Zoe even better using ChatGPT. Obviously, it's not out yet, and it's something that we're still developing, but already initial rea- initial reaction and initial results are amazing. Yeah, it just makes it makes her much better. Well, and it takes like when you think about a doctor evaluating somebody that's sitting across from them, there's time constraints, right? They yeah. may be a fee-for-service model where they have to get people in and out in 10 or 15 minutes right. or less. They might have had a bad day. They might be hungry. They might not have been paying attention to everything that individual said. So the human being that's in taking in the information from a, a, a patient yeah. and then trying to interpret, analyze, and make a recommendation, there's a lot more biases. And I don't mean biases like um, some sort of judgment about a person. It's biases of all this other these yeah. all these other inputs that are affecting their ability to actually objectively make a decision. ChatGPT or any AI is actually removing those biases out. That's one, and also it just frees up more time because I was talking to a dermatologist the other day and she said that she has to see like 50 patients a day. Mm. That's her minimum. She has to see 50 patients a day. And I said, how much time do you spend with each one? Five, 10 minutes, maybe. Right. And that's, that's crazy. Well, that's another problem with our model that I've, yeah. I've spent episodes talking about, but I want to kind of zoom out if you will, because I know I've, I've come from the world of software. Obviously I've changed yeah. jobs. I shared with you. I've shared on the pop, podcast publicly now. Um, but I understand the world of SaaS of technology yeah. and sure tech and how fast and how rapidly it mm-hmm. evolves. So give me a little bit of the insight of what this, the future state might look like or some of the things yeah. that you're looking at solving for. So I think first of all, our platform evolves constantly. Yeah. So we, and we have a development team in Israel and they work in three week sprints. That means that every three weeks, three weeks yep. something comes out. And it's it's amazing because we, we've even internally, we, we meet every two weeks where they show us all the things that they're working on. Mm-hmm. And every two weeks, it's something new, it's something better. And it's amazing to see how things evolve. Again, I, I mentioned it, like you, watch, you saw the platform a year ago, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. You saw 5% of it today. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, like, it's hard for me to even think too far ahead because so many things are going to happen in next year. So many yeah. things are going to happen in the next six months. So I mentioned ChatGPT. I mentioned we're or we're already we're working on uh, adding the billing part. We're working on adding pharmaceuticals and prescription medication. Mm-hmm. We're making the platform much more. We're very we're user obsessed. So we're really trying to make it as as accessible as we can. We always like to say that we're the the opposite of healthcare because we're accessible. Mm. And. And we have we have a team that does many many user research and user interviews just to find ways to make the platform even better. So, if you see how the platform evolves, it's it's like a sprint. Mm-hmm. It's every month it looks different, and there's another feature that comes out. Now, if I look at long term, I want to become again the one stop shop for everything that has to do with your health and wellness. So you don't have you don't need any other system. You don't need another system for. You already don't need it when you use us for open enrollment. You don't need it for ongoing support. You don't need it for pricing. You soon won't need it for prescription medication. You'll soon won't need it for billing. Eventually you won't need it for claims. And Zoe, as she evolves, her ability to really become that personal health assistant Mm -hmm. is just going to enhance, right? At a point where she'll be able to predict what you need before you need it. At a point where she'll be, you'll be able to seamlessly access Zoe at any medium that you want just as like you, you do with any other person that you speak with. Yeah. Um, and that's where you want to well, go. Well, you to. mentioned it being an infinite market potentially as well. Right. I mean, I can even see where there's opportunities in, 
like health coaching, uh, nutrition, mm -hmm. fitness, right? Um, right. The intervention, right? I mean, I see a wearable on your arm. Yeah. I assume obviously the data that's collected in that wearable could be yeah. ingested and utilized, right? And tracking maybe a catastrophic event or detecting perhaps a, a uptick in your heart rate or blood pressure prior right. to you know, a big event. There's all, the sky is literally the limit. Uh, it is, and I, when I look at what we accomplish, and it's mostly our development team, whatever they accomplished in the last two years and where we are now, it's just mind-blowing and I'm just, I can't wait for the next two years and four years and 10 years because it's just amazing how much improvement and advancement we're doing in this with this technology. Well, I want to zoom out to the big picture of the healthcare system uh, in just a moment, but I will be remiss. I want to give you an opportunity to talk brass tacks, right? So mm -hmm. I know a lot of my audience is, is, is consultants or operate yeah. in the employee benefits ecosystem with a lot of them being on the broker side and working right. with employers. So let's talk about deployment of this. Like what mm -hmm. would it be like to, hey, I've got a group. I want to put this in motion. What does my employer need to know? What does the timeline look like? Talk to me yeah. about the brass tack stuff. So first of all, I think we work a lot with brokers and we onboard new brokers almost every day basically because I think brokers they're really smart and they always know that they need to be at the cutting edge of technology and sure. that's that's where we are and it's always it's never a good situation where we talk to an employer and they bring in their broker and then the, the broker doesn't even know about us or wasn't the one that brought us in. Okay. So we always like to come in through with the broker because it's a really good opportunity for the, that broker to kind of show that, hey, I'm bringing you, the employer, the best solutions out there or the cutting edge solution out there. Um, our timeline is pretty straightforward. It's four to six weeks until we can fully deploy. Okay. Um, very minimal lift on both HR and the broker. All we need is those health plans and we do all the work. Um, and that's it. We we do all the engagement. We do campaigns. We are constantly focused on engagement. So the HR, all they need to do, and the broker, is just collect the data that we provide on and usage. Sort of take care of the yeah, rest. Yeah. Exactly. What about deployment in terms of timeline? Does it have to be on renewal? No. It does not have to be on renewal. It doesn't okay. have to be on renewal. We actually like to go off cycle for a few reasons. One of them, if you do it early enough, you'll have enough data by, by the time it comes time to open enrollment that you can use that data to kind of decide which plans you want to use, you okay. want to present. Um, it also better because you kind of create that, that engagement, you know, trend, right? Where yes. people start to get to know Zoe. And then when it comes to open enrollment, we get to 80, 90% uh, of enrollment, which is much easier than you, if you just started an open enrollment. Yeah, because it might get sort of lost in all the exactly. complexity of that enrollment yeah. process. And then no limitations on kind of fully insured or self-funded, no. group size limitations. You said no. it does have to go through the employer, though. So an individual that was listening to this couldn't go no. purchase access themselves. The only thing an individual can do is they can go on our website and then put their email of their HR, basically. And, okay. And, or there you go. Hey, yeah. if you know if you know your HR person yeah. or broker that needs to contact uh, to guy definitely go in and put your email in um and, but that deployment it sounds like you guys take care of most of it you said it doesn't have to be on cycle it's employer-based solution mm -hmm. it's a pepa model correct in terms yeah. of pricing um and then really what once you sort of pay the fee everything that's within that ecosystem is accessible and teledoc exactly. is uh, or not teledoc but telehealth yeah we is have part telehealth. of it as well yeah okay. we have telehealth as, a, as an add-on that you can you can use and that's part of the platform um, and then, yeah, that, that it's very, very straightforward and easy to use and easy, easy to implement. And we're getting really good feedback, really good results. So we're seeing reduction in claims costs of anywhere between four to 14%. Okay. We're saving employees between a thousand to $2,000 a year on their out of pocket. And for some employees that could be another paycheck that they get. Right. right. Uh, so it's significant and we're saving HR nine hours a week 
from dealing with like well, that's it. That's when you can quantify, and it sounds like you've already done, but like when you can quantify the ROI in terms of dollars yeah. and time savings, because this is on the surface initially, you might say, well, this is a nice to have and this is a quality of life right. improvement, but is it a necessity? Well, if you look back in, in the terms of financial ROI and time ROI, then you go, it's almost not, not only is a necessity, but if you don't have it, you're, you're missing out. You're probably losing employees as well because you're, it's difficult to retain them or attract the best ones. Right. Um, like I, I, I have come from the insure tech world where I understand some of these consultants get point solution fatigue, so much being thrown at them and they right. don't know how to vet the good from the bad. But when you can start proving actually that there's tangible return on that investment and they can quantify that, that's when it becomes very, very sticky. Yeah. And I'll say two things about that. First of all, I, I meet a lot with CFOs and HR leaders and I always talk about the cost of doing nothing. Yes, you're right. This is not, you don't have to use our platform, but the cost of doing nothing means that you're going to see, you're going to keep seeing increasing costs, right? Your healthcare mm -hmm. is going to keep increasing, sometimes double digits every year. You're going to see wasted benefits and you're going to see just poor employee experience. When you think about healthcare, we spend, you know, a thousand employees could be almost a $9 million expense for a company. $9 million. That's a lot of money that you spend on, on anything, mm -hmm. right? It's probably your second biggest expense in the company but your employees are getting a poor experience out of it. Yeah. So it's counterintuitive. Kind of you're spending so much money on something, but getting a bad experience from it. Yeah. So that's not great. And 70% of employees will move a job because of health benefits. So that's one thing that, that we need to remember, the cost of doing nothing, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, and that, that's one. And the other thing to, to also remember is that the ROI, we, our cost is, 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 when you think about $9 million for a thousand uh -huh. employees, yeah. is meaningless compared to that. Like yeah. We're seeing our ride that is anywhere from like 50 to 100x sometimes. No kidding. Yeah. 50 to 100x. Yeah, right. okay. because how do we save money, right? We save money by most basically by steering employees to high quality, low cost options. Mm -hmm. If you're now, if you have a you know, knee pain or back pain, you need to get an MRI right here in this area. There's probably about 300 locations where you can go and get an MRI mm -hmm. within a 50 mile radius from here. The average cost is probably $1,500 for an MRI. Not for you, but for the, for the employer or for the insurance company, the claim. For you, let's say $150. But it also means that there are locations that are gonna cost you $20, and there are locations that are gonna cost you $500. Right. If I can help you, and that's what we do, if I can help you go to that lower cost by still high quality options, I'm saving you money right there. Well, not to mention if the employer lays, layers on incentives to direct those people through, you know, maybe waiving their out-of-pocket costs, exactly. right? Then you get a doubling down of that effect. Yeah. I can imagine one claim intervention or redirection with that situation might pay for itself and then some, just with some. one. Exactly. Right, and so then it becomes like an absolute no-brainer. I mean, I yeah. look at what you're doing, and there's other folks in this space that are have a similar mission, might go at it a little bit differently. That. Yeah those are going to be a standard. Like what you're doing right. is going to be a standard way that people mm -hmm. interface in the future with healthcare. I think it's only a matter of time. And, and we don't see ourselves as a point solution. We see ourselves as a platform where all point solutions can live. Because if you have yeah. point solutions, they can be part of, they are part of healthy. Because let's say you have uh, a, a solution for mental health or for fertility, an employee can go to Zoe and say, hey, what am I covered for fertility? And we'll bring in that solution and say, this is what your employee is already covering. So we actually also increase engagement with the things that you already are, yeah. are bringing to your employees. Yeah. So we don't see ourselves as a point solution. We really see ourselves as like a no, platform that, that is a one-stop shop. Well, so let's let's go big picture and let's kind of land the plane here. Uh, no, no pun intended yeah. with your Air Force <laughs> experience. I use that term a lot. But um, what about kind of the future? What do you see in the future of healthcare? You've been in the States for how long? About 11, 10, 11, 11 years, years now. Yeah. Okay. So obviously you've seen a little bit of the political stuff. You've seen, obviously, the comparisons of private and public sector. Yeah. You come from a world where there's more socialized uh, healthcare. Um, not asking you to weigh too much in you know, a way that uh, puts you on the spot, but what do you see happening in the States in terms of healthcare? 
I see, first of all, I, th I think um, like user expectations are, are changing, okay. right? Especially with the shift towards, you know, the workforce becoming more millennials, Gen Zers, right? It's going to be 60% of the workforce. And these are people that are not going to be okay with calling a call center. They're not be okay. They're not going to be okay with not having the data readily available for them. They're not going to be okay with getting a surprise bill. And I think those are things that we'll, we'll see at some point. They'll have to kind of like be gone from this world, right? It's it just companies are not going to be able to survive if that's going to be the user experience that they provide. Because think about these employees. They grew up with shopping on their phone or computer, calling an Uber on their phone, like not talking to a single person for everything that they need. Right. And then they go into this, when they're 26, they start using their healthcare because they're not on their uh, parents' healthcare anymore. And they're getting a whole different mm -hmm. employee ex user experience. That's not going to fly. So I think that's one thing that we're working towards. Just by very much the, the groundswell of demand for exactly. change, it's yeah. going to happen organically. I, I would yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that's going to change. The other thing is that, you know, we're seeing this with the Transparency Act and kind of like all this thing about pricing. Um, it's not still as as readily available as it should be, but I think it, it will be like in the next few years and we'll have to make that accessible to users and employees and, and people in general, right? They, they'll need to know what things are going to cost. They'll need to become smarter consumers. Absolutely. The, the era of just being, you know, think about like Amazon with no prices. That's what we're doing with healthcare. Right. Like, like not, not, no, no, even. Yeah, you order something that looks cool yeah. and then you get a bill 60 a bill. days later. You're like, what? Exactly. How much was that? Yeah. That, that can't stay like that. that yeah. That's something that will have to. Change. Well, it's true consumerism, right? Yeah. The, the whole idea of the high deductible health plans was consumer directed healthcare, right? right? And make people better consumers by giving them more skin in the game. I think it actually had the opposite effect, right. unfortunately. This sounds like true consumerism in that yeah. there's actual transparency in the way that you shop and consume healthcare before exactly. you even go, right? right? You know what you're getting into and that's the real difference in my yeah. opinion and i think that these especially the large carriers the companies that are over 100 years old it's going to be hard for them to be true innovators and that's where you're going to come in um and companies like ours there's many companies that are bringing innovation into this whole world of healthcare and that's where we're, we're going to see that innovation coming from well i love it man why, why don't you do this real quick guy closing thoughts you know we've been talking what pro probably close to an hour or so, but just curious, you know, what, if people that have listened this long and this has been great, I, I genuinely yeah. enjoyed this. What would you leave the audience with uh, something, uh, food for thought? I think just think about like, I would ask to think about the last time you had an interaction with your healthcare. And if you close your eyes and you think about it, was it a good experience or was it a bad experience? And I think most people will probably say it wasn't a good experience and it could be a better experience. And that's exactly what we're doing. And if you're trying to either give your employees a better experience or, or if you're a broker and you're trying to bring technology that will en you know, empower your, your customers to have a good experience with healthcare, that's what we're doing. And if you, if you want to find us, we're at you know, healthy.co, healthy spells with two E's at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Guy at healthy.co, so feel free to reach out. Like we're, we're always looking for partners to help us with our mission to make employees healthier. Well, I love it, man. And I'm, I'm with you on that mission. So I wish you not, nothing but success. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Give, uh, give Nina all the best if you uh, see her here soon, especially Omar as well for scheduling this. But I really appreciate your time, Guy. We'll let you get on your way. And I can't wait to share this episode. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man.